Hi and welcome to a new episode of the State of the Net podcast. I'm Paolo Valdemarin. And I'm Ewan Semple. And uh, just yesterday we saw the latest uh, presentation of product from Apple. Yeah. Did what, what did you think? Um, well, I mean, I, 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 do f- I do like, I mean, <laughs> let's say I will definitely upgrade my iPhone also because I'm on the upgrade program. Um, and I will go for the new 12 Pro to replace my old 11 Pro. Um, mostly because of the camera. I mean, I, 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 I just find that the camera to be the, one of the most, one of the features I care most in my phone. Um, well, it's the, only one, it's the only one that sort of year on year really differentiates it, isn't it? I mean, it, yeah, it's not an it, awful lot else changes hugely. Well, I mean, the screen probably is a little bit better. The, the you yeah. have more screen to to stronger, you know, yeah, ceramic thing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a the new processors are of course very powerful and they can do more things, which is probably more interesting. Uh, but mm-hmm. for me, it's mostly. I mean, I I'm. So so in love with the with the with the quality of the photos of of my phone yeah. that uh, I I I I'm, I would be tempted to go for the big one just because I have better lenses but but then it's a bit too big um, so I'll I'll just stick there in terms of I mean I I also like the idea of the new smaller cheaper um, home pods I mean I I like yeah. I like yeah. my I I have you know the initial home pod and then i'd like it i use it every day um i, I like I, I was thinking yeah maybe it, i never i would always have liked to have a second one so it can have stereo because yeah. you know i grew up in a place where i mean my father used to sell hi-fi component i mean i grew up with like big speakers and big you know Ooh, jbl yeah. speakers and amplifiers <laughs> and uh, to me stereo has always been such an important thing the fact that everybody seems to be fine with mono these days is like how um yeah. so the fact that i could buy two smaller um home pods and actually have apparently they understand they are with each other and they become stereo immediately that I find interesting too. Maybe for our home down in Italy, uh, that that could be an option. It's interesting because I mean, I, I um, thanks to you, I'm on the upgrade program, and I'm very close to deciding not to use it actually, because um, I'm still on the 10R. Mm-hmm. I haven't gone, and, I, and I'm at the stage in the contract that I could upgrade. Um, and the camera would be the principal. Well, actually, the camera and the MagSafe. Uh, I think that's really interesting the way they've made it possible for the thing to glue itself to power or credit card holders or whatever. That's quite smart, but but I don't think I will. And uh, it's interesting because I mean I'm much more excited these days about the watch than I am about phones. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw somebody writing on the web the other day about stuff I talked about a long time ago about where my whole stack of technology is kind of like moving down, if you like. So. The iPad is performing a lot of what my computer used to be required for, and my phone's increasingly doing what my iPad, laptop used to be required for, and my watch is now beginning to do what my phone used to be required for. <clears throat> so that sort of migration downwards, if you like, in terms of the size of the device, I'm I'm all in on. 
but it's also where I get most excited. You know, I get much more excited about the uh, the watch updates and the, and the software updates for that than I am about the phone. But but I'm I'm like like you tempted by the HomePod. I mean, I actually just weekend and bought some good uh, bookshelf speakers from my office here, and they are fantastic speakers. Um, and I also thought, you know, the whole, I mean, I think it's clever the way they've done Siri on the i on the HomePod. And I think the, the Synticom thing is quite interesting. But again, because I use my watch a lot of the time for Siri, I mean, most of my use of Siri is through my watch. Yeah. Um, I don't need a speaker to do that. Yeah, you know? I was thinking the same. I mean, I, I have my watch on me pretty much all the time. Do I really need Siri? I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not a very strong I don't have a very strong motivation to 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 buy one. It, if if it sounds nice, I mean the fact that you can just plug them in the middle of the room and they connect to all your devices. Um, yeah. It's a, yeah. It's I'll a probably plus. end up getting one. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, speaking, I was yesterday. I, I was strangely uh, in our office with other people uh, <laughs> at safe distance. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I said, you know, I don't know my, I don't need my computer, so I just went with my iPad, and then I was sh- sharing my iPad on a big TV and was showing to other people, these other people, things that we have done, and every once in a while I would get stuck in this stupid situation where you know all I need to do is just edit slightly the URL of a page I'm watching, which is something that with a computer I just you know. Double click on the word and retype it. Not on the iPad. On the iPad, you need to first figure out how to deselect it, which doesn't happen if the URL is filling the full mm. width of the. <laughs> yeah, you're not faffing around and trying to find a bit of empty screen. And, the, yeah. and then yeah. there is no door to tap. <laughs> and then if you tap too much to the right, you actually you hit the little delete button and go away. <laughs> and I was doing this, and I, while I was doing this, I was thinking in my head, bloody you one and he's done. <laughs> I should have just. All my fault. Yeah, it's like every time I struggle to do something on my iPad, I think of you, which is which is not very often. So it's not I don't don't, I'm not obsessed, Uh, but um, yeah, sometimes it just drives me mad. It's like why? And and I kind of think it there there maybe missing something. Maybe there is a better way of doing this, but I haven't found it yet. No, it's interesting the number of. Uh, actions that are infinitely better once you've got a keyboard connected to the iPad. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Like being able yeah. to press the escape key to deselect things or whatever, they just aren't there in the in the in the built-in. Oh yes, keyboard, absolutely. And 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 also, why d- don't we have them on the virtual keyboard? I mean, why don't we have arrow yeah. keys yeah. on the yeah. virtual keyboard? If you put yeah, just arrow give us another keys, row. yeah, it's like yeah. it's 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 free, but uh, we don't. Or maybe it's yeah. possible. I don't know. It's it's. Um... But the cameras are just truly gobsmacking, aren't they? I mean, you know, I, I know it's getting a bit tired. Each keynote that they do about the iPhone, they'll show you shot on iPhone or filmed on iPhone type of stuff. But they are incredible that that's all happening on a mobile phone. There, you know, something that. Uh, so let's talk about the show for example the, the production yeah. okay yeah. Yeah. so one of the things that slightly annoys me is why don't they shoot it on an iphone i mean yes hmm. it yeah. it would not have the same quality that they have because of course they 
they they shoot with, with stuff with proper lenses. But you know, if your if the iPhone is so good, why don't you just use it to? I mean, I I think they could, and it would be probably not as nice, but but. Uh, would make a point but they would make a That's point sure. rather than show us a clip you know shot on an <laughs> iphone <laughs> that is being made by professionals and say okay how about the professionals doing this video right now well actually i, I was listening to mike Break weekly and they were talking about the last keynote uh the, 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 the wwd um mm -hmm. keynote where tim cook's walking along a corridor and there was a whole debate about his glasses and whether he'd been blue screened into the image or not. And but one of them, I think, was saying that they reckoned it had, that that set of moves had been filmed on an iPhone because it's so much easier just to stick it on a gimbal and do tracking and things. I than I, yeah, yeah. But when you have several billion dollars, there are plenty of gimbals that <laughs> on which you can mount professional cameras. And I, I yeah, actually, but all I'm saying is, I, I think I, I think they might already shoot some of it on an iPhone, and it's just intercut. But I, I take your point. I mean, I think you should write in and suggest it, Paolo. I mean, I I, I saw the backstage of of uh, one of. The, probably the first they did this way and they were using big cameras but you can tell you can tell by the lenses yeah, it's yeah. it's uh, the other thing about um i think that they are going a little bit too far with you know there was a whole special effect of the little house and the transitions and uh, even tim cook you know he's clearly not an actor and he's trying to act so he does he's not He's always a little bit rigid, but it yeah. it's it's become a little bit. He's not talking to me. He's uh, repeating some words that have been written and carefully. That's, that's professional broadcasting for you. And it's yeah. uh, it, it's kind of becoming a, a little slope. bit artificial for me. I mean, I'm, yeah. uh, I, I get I get that. I, I fun enough. I this is the same thing that I tell you know founders uh, of. I work with it, you know, when you're pitching, don't try to remember things, just tell them. I mean, you know the story, you don't need to try to remember it. I had the feeling that probably Tim Cook more than others was trying to remember his words rather than just telling me what he thinks. Now, maybe that's how he talks when he go home, so I, I, I don't know. Uh, he's it felt a little bit fake. It felt it felt a little bit too a little bit overproduced. Too polished. Yeah, uh, yeah. But that's so easy. That's a trap. You know, I watch internal comms teams falling into this trap all the time. They all want to look like telly, and I think, well, no. Increasingly these days, that just makes you look untrustworthy. Um, you know, the more polished and the more higher the production values, quite often works against you for the reasons you've just given. Um, Especially on a subject that you know, you know, I shouldn't be talking about a subject you don't know about, but you know, especially if it's something that you're naturally enthused about, you should just be able to do it off the cuff, really. You know, you, you might have a few notes just to make sure that you go through all the important points, but um, the, the, the feeling there was that every single word he was saying had been written beforehand and has been rehearsed and... Uh, uh, and delivered and because he's not a professional actor it was feeling mm, a little yeah. bit you know stiff so that so that brings back a memory of recording a a chap i can't remember the subject 
I think a historian in in Bush House and Radio uh, in those days. And um, just there was something about the guy. He was obviously very articulate. He had presence. He clued up about things, clearly able to just deliver words without stumbling. So when he went into the studio, I stuck a tape on what was meant to be just a read-through. And the read-through was fantastic, you know, really compelling. He was very relaxed. It just it just all flowed. And I sort of turned to the producer and said, oh, that, that was lucky. I put a tape on that. We're, we're done. No, I just want to go through and have a few words with them. So she goes into the into the studio and does what's to, you know does her job, uh, confuses the guy. He then stumbles his way through a second recording that I'm then forced to edit, which ended up sounding shit, you know. And it and it is that's always stuck with me as the fact that you know professionalism can get in the way of so many things. Yeah, no, it's definitely true. I mean, it's uh, it's. Um... I think that uh, there are unrealistic expectations in many in, in many cases. Mm. I mean, there is a lot of over. Even if you look at uh, you know videos on TikTok or you know the equivalent feature, pretty much on every single platform out there, there is a, there is a lot of polishing. There is a lot of of uh, post production. Yeah. There is a lot of work around everything. Um, which makes things, which I think is creating somehow the expectation expectation to have uh, almost this fake um, yeah. feeling about it, this artificial feeling about it. Yeah, uh, that's interesting because I mean, in some ways, it's, it, and I'm agreeing with you, but it's the opposite of how we feel about our devices. I love the fact that they're so beautiful and so thought through and incredibly carefully manufactured and that you can tell when you pick it up it's got a sort of subconscious quality feel to it um but again you know going back to the keynote and back to the last video about the or one of the videos about the iphone 12 and part of me was just really pleased that there was all sorts of people in that advert mm-hmm. you know not just race gender some fat some not fat just normal looking people Mm-hmm. But they weren't normal because they were in this highly polished, <laughs> highly produced advert. You know, it's yeah, yeah it's it's uh, well. I mean, I, I must say that the uh, sometimes I have the feeling that Apple is trying too hard because I yeah, mean, I, I remember I, I was in a I was in an Apple store. Uh, the one here in, in White Cities, which is not a very mm. big one, and I and I and I was sitting there waiting for somebody to give me something, and uh, I was looking around, and you would see this amazing diversity of people, different ages, like even even like old people, or you know, Gosh. yeah, which you don't expect to, you know, you would say, oh, diversity, okay, probably you get all cores, but in that kind of youngish um, range, no, you actually have young, very young people, you have kind of very old people, people of all kinds. But I was thinking, in order to have all this diversity, you basically must have. It, you had to cast these people. I mean, you need yes. to have. You need so we need 
one young, one old, one yeah. white, one black, one flat, which means you didn't hire other people that might have been more qualified, but they were the second fat black guy in the in show. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, yeah. God, we can only have one of those. It's like, because we know we, we care about diversity. It's like, okay, but I thought it was about including, inclusion yeah. should be about including everybody, not just include, not just having one of each. I'm not saying that but this is what they do, but the feeling was it. Oh, I think you're right. I think it is. I mean, but it it's interesting because I mean, in many ways, one of the pleasures of going into an Apple store is that is that there are old folk. I mean, I remember watching a, a little old lady being helped at the Genius Bar, and the guy was just so good with her. You know, he wasn't being patronising; he was just genuinely helping her work stuff out, and that is a big thing. You know, that's a good thing. But I know what you mean about the the. Well, maybe it's a bit like the Me Too gender thing that's going on that we need to have an Im- we have to work uncomfortably and unnaturally hard to redress previous imbalances I don't know. oh yeah no look i'm 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 all in favor not to hire any white person for the next uh, 200 years just to counterbalance the, <laughs> and then we would yeah. say but that would be unfair yeah maybe but you know get, uh, get over it gotta yeah. happen and then um yeah. but uh yeah it, it just that uh, that uh so i i i agree it is much better done like this than you know not doing it it just that sometimes it feels like you know too artificial yeah. too you know put together um, but shall we talk about Excel? Yes. <laughs> yeah, where to start? Well, yeah. I mean, the whole, the whole. Oh gosh. Not just Excel, but Fatima the ballerina. <laughs> well, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't rule out that my current system administrator was a ballerina in his previous life. I, I never <laughs> asked. Uh, it's a possibility. <laughs> I mean, I become aware of it because I don't spend so much time on Twitter because my daughter, my youngest daughter, has just started at musical theatre school, a large part of which is being taught how to do ballet. And she was almost in tears because she just felt it was such a public devaluing of what she'd chosen as a life career. And, I, and I'm saying, no, 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 Hannah. The kind of people who came up with that, that advert are not the kind of people you want to be like when you grow up. And they won't be around when you grow up. They'll all be sitting at home twiddling their thumbs watching you dancing because they've got nothing else to do because they've been replaced by a robot, you know? I mean, it's just... Uh. I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I'm not sure I want to find too much meaning in that. I think that it was a pretty stupid decision and whoever decided to use that photo... Um, made a pretty poor choice i don't think that with that photo there was the they the, the reason behind it was to devalue arts in and i mean no i don't think it was a conscious decision but i think it was symptomatic of a mindset and a mindset of a group of people who tend to be drawn to work in places like government who then can't get the wherewithal together to get an app that works or can't uh, use speech. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's this, this uh, yeah, I mean, the, the very fact that they say she will work in cyber, it's like, do you know anybody who used the term cyber to say? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Not anybody that knows what they're talking about. That's, yeah, exactly. It's like... Uh, well, it used to mean a very different thing when I was younger, Paul. It catches me out all the time. <laughs> So, cybering used to have a very different meaning. Okay. 
I don't know. I but probably wasn't born. Which I'm not going to go into the podcast. Okay, fine. Yeah. It's it's we, we would have to beep it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, about the 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 Excel debacle, which in case you haven't heard the track and trace uh, organization here in the UK well lost uh, 16,000 uh, names for a few days uh, apparently because uh, there was a misuse of Microsoft Excel somewhere in this process and uh, I mean I, I as I wrote a, I wrote a post about it but I don't think that Excel is a problem. I mean, I I have recommended people to use Excel a lot of time. Oh, it's a, it's a yeah, yeah. it's a much better tool than many others. It's it's much easier to manipulate large amount of data in Excel than building the equivalent tool in a browser, which was which is what people would try tend to do today. Yeah, yeah. Um, and. Uh, and especially if you need to do this in a very short time and in a rush. Uh, okay, totally. you know it's powerful, it's uh, powerful the, tool. The, the, yeah. there, there was a, there, there, I don't think that anybody was trying to use Excel as a database, which is what many have been accused of. I, I actually my understanding is that they were using Excel just as a transport format to move data from you know between systems. Um, you know. I've heard people saying, well, you know, they they were charged a hundred million pounds by big consulting firm and, you know, and then they are using Excel, which sounds like, you know, somebody wired a hundred million pounds to Deloitte and they got back an email saying, here, have this template, use this. Uh, I mean... The, the, Which I'm sure has happened in the past, but yeah. I, I just think that there is so much yeah. more complexity to this problem. And yes, somebody fucked up. And I think, I'm sure that they were very, very sorry when they realized it. I mean, I can imagine when, oh. the moment when yeah. whoever was in charge of this realized, yeah. oh shit, you know, there is a 16,000 line limit to a file. Probably we blew through that and we lost something. And of course they had, a, they had the information, they'd had the data. They were able to recover it very quickly. Um, so I guess that as I grow older, definitely not wiser but i kind of feel bad for these people saying look i mean i'm sure that whoever is in charge of of building and managing this sim is not the person who decided to call it word beating (laughs) you know track and phrasing system for sure um i mean they're just trying to to do their job in in probably very hard situation. Can you imagine? I mean, these are, they are probably dealing with people running Windows NT in some hospital in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And they need to get export data from systems that probably were not designed to integrate with APIs and modern well, systems. Well, you know what's, what's funny is my, my older daughter's working uh, temporarily or, or part-time for the NHS doing data entry into mm-hmm. Excel spreadsheets about COVID and who's had it and who's not and who's tested and who's not. So doing exactly that work. And, you know, I'm now, I'm now feeling very guilty about my rant about the guy, the people behind Fatima, because you're right. And this touches on something we were talking about, as usual, before we started. Um, it's not them. There's no them. It's not It's not IT. It's not, you know, it's a combination of a whole load of complex inter- interacting things that cause something like this to happen. And up to a point, you need to have some sort of accountability and, and people have responsibilities. But 
blame. I mean, I'm just at a post about how weird I'm getting with every fucking story on the internet has to have some angle, usually negative. So and so is messed up, and so and so has got this wrong, and this is rubbish, and this, this man, and I get so tired of it, and I just did it. So I'm, I'm yeah. very, very chastened. No, but you know, I, I think that the, 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 the challenge that we face is that you know there are there is so many stories, and most of them are not treated with the respect for the complexity that they that they de- deserve totally so you know if you if you need to simplify it it's it's much more catchy to say oh you know they spend a hundred thousand they spend a hundred million pounds and they're using excel because it sounds stupid it sounds fun and you know yeah. let's let's say that um and uh, but but even simplifying things and say oh you know you have to what is it you have to wash your hands wash like his hands, face, and space. I mean, if you treat everybody like idiots, some point they will start to react like idiots. It's uh, so this is this is interesting. This relates to a call I just had about doing some work <clears throat> with a big organization around knowledge management, and this will be a blast from your past. We'll get into the whole taxonomy thing. Mm-hmm. And the challenge, you know, the, the, the idea is that you help people to get better at sharing what they know with each other so that you all get smarter and you all do better stuff. Mm-hmm. But how you decide in the vast amount of stuff that gets moved around and shared within organisations, what's interesting enough to share, what's useful to share, what other people might find useful that you don't find useful, but it'd be really cool if they found out about it, all that stuff. And the lady I was talking to had a background in library science and a tradition of the benefits of categorising, mm-hmm. taxonomizing, and labelling, but was sort of ground down by the enormity of the task of trying to get that thing to stay still long enough to write it down, you know? And I was saying that that was why we erred at the Beeb to the, the bulletin board that we put in, that it was just the serendipitous... If you've got a big enough network and somebody says, this is interesting, somebody else goes, wow, yeah, I didn't know that... That's enough, you know, and it's a, a bit like news. Um, we're sort of in this halfway world at the moment where we've still got the mechanisms of this is the truth. I'm a broadcaster, trust me. And the complete free for all of the Internet. And what we're sort of needing is some some sort of managed chaos in the middle, something better in the middle. And at the moment, it's still playable. You can st- you still feel this need to make my story special. And that invariably means focusing on the negative. At some point, somebody were using the the metaphor drinking from the fire hose, right? Mm-hmm. Is uh, we don't have scarcity anymore. I mean, I I think that the the discipline of categorizing books had a sense because books were rare, because and slow moving, creating and a relatively static, creating yeah. a book yeah. is a it used to be a huge effort which basically meant that if something was written in a book it must have been relevant because Mm -hmm. otherwise it wouldn't be in a book 
Now yeah. we could yeah. we could uh, we could discuss about it. Probably we lost some of that, but but yeah. you know the but the the, broadly, the, the, the yeah. process is that still even if you and I today would decide, oh, you know what, we should put this thing in a book. Well, if it if it requires a certain a much bigger effort than us just you know speaking into a computer and then posting it on the interwebs, so. I think that organizing that information made sense and categorizing and using taxonomy made sense because uh, you were organizing the tip of a huge mountain. Only the, the most important thing would get into books and get in the top of the mountain. But today yeah. we're managing the whole mountain. <laughs> and trying to categorize the whole mountain doesn't make any sense because the point is that not everybody needs everything. Not everybody needs to have access to everything. Actually, what happens is that in this uh, chaotic chaos, you know, every once in a while you happen to grab something, learn something and let it go. So it's much more interesting to try to understand uh, how you can create filters and system to dynamically you know, direct these flows or navigate these flows information so that you can you can get some value out of them. But of course, the point is you will miss most of it. By design, you will miss 99.99% yeah. of what is uh, yeah. what's going through. But if you can set up your filters in the right way, if you can connect to other people and, you know, create a, a, a social filter to information, you know, you might be able to get some decent value out of that. Um, but you can't try to organize it. You can't try to say, okay, everything that gets created needs to be tagged and need to be categorized and, you know, a library and need to put it in the right box. Because most probably that single piece of information, nobody will ever see it again. And it's fine. And this affects us individually as well. So, I mean, I, I go through phases of trying to organise my stuff, categorise a book I've read and write a review of a book I've read, or even things like I've just got a fantastic book of poetry, big book. A guy called Neil Astley has done a fantastic job of curating three or four um, books of modern poetry. And some of the poems in there are fantastic could potentially become favourite poems. But I'm trying to think of how I'm going to make a note about them. Where am I going to make the note? Am I going to write it on the book? But then I'll probably lose the book. Or am I going to copy the poem out into something else? Well, but I'm going to lose that as well. And, you know, if I, I can get myself quite wound up about this. I mean, even things like I've begun to use a, a real notebook and do bullet journaling again because I like the tactile, analogue nature of the process and I like having everything in one place, unlike most software, which ends up with different tools doing different things and it all gets lost in the middle. But then I can't search this analog book to find the place that I wrote that thing that was really, really important. Um, or photographs. I mean, it's really interesting watching the widget, the photos widget on the front mm -hmm. of my iPhone these days. That's, that's managed chaos. That's managed serendipity. Spookily so, I think I maybe said this in the last podcast, but the number of times that it's popping up pictures of my mum is just uncanny. And, it, you know, it's maybe partly the effect that when you're about to buy a Volkswagen, every car on the roads of Volkswagen, maybe some of that. But 
I guess what I'm saying is that it's, that, that you're right. It's <laughs> a long way of saying you're right, Paolo. But that potential for tools to give us good enough information at the time that we need it, at, that, that we begin to stop worrying about it. So I've got 25,000 photographs. I'm never going to go back and categorise them. Most of them are rubbish. But you don't need but to. Alg- but you don't need to because there is an AI, an AI that does it for you. That's right. So you don't need to categorise. I mean, I admire... I have a few friends that are... That have spent their life trying to organize their own stuff, and 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 yeah. they feel the need to do it. And I'm, uh, I mean, I don't have that urge. So I mean, I I have the attention span span of a fruit fly. I mean, it's it's <laughs> like you know, I'm seeing it now, and now I'm not seeing it anymore, and it's gone. I have a pretty yeah. good memory, but uh, I don't feel the need to remember things and I, I never underline things in in books or let's say I, I and to be honest I actually ha- I do remember a lot of things but I don't feel the need to attach myself to them I mean it's uh, if there is anything yeah. I you know letting go of uh, ideas and you know if they were valuable they will have left a trace yeah, they, yeah, yeah. if they were yeah. not valuable enough there is no note or or some I, I I like to write <laughs> I like to write notes on my iPad with my with my pen um, because mm-hmm. I like the exercise of you know drawing letters on uh, on mm-hmm. on something. Sometimes I go I mean sometimes if I need to tell another person about a meeting I had I might go back and check my notes just to remember things, but. Oh, now there now I can search my handwritten notes, which is nice. Do I actually search my handwritten note? Yeah. No. I mean, did I ever <laughs> went back to one of my several Moleskine notebooks full of notes? No, I didn't. I mean, I I, yeah. I, I could just same. I could just automatically erase everything older than two weeks and probably never notice about it. But I'm the same with my blog. You know, it's really, I mean, it's funny because, I mean, I, I, having pulled back from a lot of the social media platforms, I'm in this situation where I'm not sure how many, if any, people are reading my blog. And I don't go back and read my blog. But the process of writing it is still worthwhile and satisfying. Exactly. But if, 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 it, if this is like this for you while you're creating... It should yeah. be even more like this while you're consuming. So you like that poem, you know... Share it on your yeah. blog. Post it on your blog yeah. because maybe somebody. Because I would like to read a poem that you think might be one of your favorite, and then you know yeah. if it's gonna be good enough, you'll remember it and you'll be able to find it again. And if you won't remember about it, well, then it was not that important, right? It's true, actually, and it's funny because I, I, I love uh, Philip Larkin's poetry, and, and Arundel Tomb is one of my favorites, and. I can. I just know that. I know that I. Lo- I don't know. I can't remember the poem, but I'll, I know that I love that poem, and I will go back and I will look for that poem because I want to read it again. And we drove through the town of Arundel on Sunday, so you're right. You're dead right. I mean, just the repercussions, the ripples from that one reading decades ago of that poem have had sufficient value to kind of stick in a meaningful way. And I, I suppose I want to be like you when I grow up, Paula. I want to. I want to worry less about it. It's this nagging feeling that it's a waste if I don't make an effort to capture and retain and structure. It's the power of letting go. 
And to wrap up this episode, Ewan will read us a poem. <laughs> there was a young woman from Bude who went for a swim in a lake. A man in a punt stuck a pole in her ear and said, you can't swim here, it's private. <laughs> that made you nervous, didn't it? <laughs> I mean, you're you're going to edit this, so no, I'm I'm, not, I'm keeping that. In. Oh, no, no, absolutely, but you know, you were editing yeah. anyway. So. On my head, be it. Yeah, yeah. All right. I think you're right. I think on that note, we should say goodbye. Thank you for listening, and goodbye.